Hello and welcome to Impactability, the Nonprofit Leaders Podcast. This is a show that explores the landscape of the nonprofit organization, big and small, offers some incredibly helpful information and resources, and gives nonprofits a place to share ideas and get advice. I'm your host, Joe Turner. Our show is sponsored by Sukup Strategic Solutions, offering a wide variety of services to help nonprofits maximize their impact. So let's get into solving the problems that might be plaguing your nonprofit. Hey, thanks for joining us today on Impactability. Really, really good program for you today, talking about direct mail. I mean, the lifeblood of many a nonprofit's fundraising efforts is in direct mail. They can be as simple as an annual ask letter or as complex as a beautiful, you know, three-color brochure with all the bells and whistles. So check out some of these stats that I looked up. 70% of consumers say direct mail is more personal than online interactions. Fair enough. 54% of consumers say they want direct mail from brands that interest them. That's important. Open rates, they can reach up to 90%. And 42% of recipients read or scan the direct mail they receive. So now maybe you do direct mail and have been successful. Maybe you've done it in the past, it didn't work out so well. Maybe you're thinking about doing it for the first time. Whatever category you fall into, this is definitely the episode for you. My guest today, Liz Lowe. Liz is the Vice President, Client Relations and Agency Services with the Allegiance Group, who partners with nonprofits and associations on direct mail concepts and lots more. Liz joins us from her home office in Canton, Ohio. Liz, thank you so much for being with us today on Impactability. Thanks for the invitation. Hey, our pleasure. Now, Liz, we talked before the program and we kind of dug into a lot about direct mail and much has been said about direct mail marketing, both pro and con. And I'm hoping we can kind of clear the air on the podcast today about a lot of it and give our listeners the facts they need to make conscious decisions about whether direct mail is for them or not. So let's start with a tough question first. Does direct mail marketing work? Absolutely. (laughs) It has for decades and it will continue to work for decades. Mm -hmm. Now, why do you say that? Uh, Well, it's a very personalized piece. Um, It's something that that comes in and it is seen and it is touched rather than something that you can just disregard in in an email. And we've we've become so used to disregarding any emails or ads that that we don't want to see. I have to believe that COVID kind of played in many a nonprofit's decision to actually try direct mail. Is that true? Absolutely. Uh, Suddenly the world shifted and in-person events couldn't be held any longer, which left so many nonprofits in a lurch as these were enormous revenue generators for so many. So a lot of them started either strengthening their direct mail program or started a direct mail program from scratch. So I've asked you the tough question, now something a little more mundane. Can direct mail marketing be as simple as a postcard? The simple answer is yes. It can be as simple as a postcard depending on the intentions of the mailing. Is it just to inform your audience of an action you'd like them to take or thank them for their support? Uh, Postcards are great for that. Uh, You can also include a QR code to drive them to a web page as well. What you cannot do with a postcard is have them return a gift for it. So that's that's something to keep in mind. Why is direct mail marketing effective for a nonprofit and how so? At first glance, direct mail may seem a bit antiquated, uh, but the reality is, is direct mail is still the workhorse for nonprofits. It's a physical item. Direct mail is seen and done right. It's a personal communication to your donors and not as easily as dismissed as an email or ad that I just spoke about. 
Um, direct mail also has a better response rate than any other channel, averaging about 5% across our industry, whereas email and online ads are less than 1%. Um, MNR just recently released their report and email response was 0.08 for 2021. So it's still relative and it still works for many donor bases. What would you say are some of the most effective direct mail marketing techniques? What are some things we should have in our tool chest? The first three things that you should have are first, define your audience. Make sure you know who you're talking to. Um, Be straightforward and make your strategy measurable. That's super important and I'll elaborate on all of that. What I mean is to make sure that you have a plan of who you are sending mail to so you can create personalized pieces for your audience, right? Create a measurable plan so you can track what your successes are for that campaign. Uh, Is it having volunteers sign up for advocacy work? Is it increasing your average gift? Uh, Each campaign can have its own goals, so make sure that you're planning accordingly. And be straightforward. Be specific with your calls to action and donation requests. Make sure the recipient knows what you want them to do. Um, Having a data-driven strategy driving a targeted approach to talk to your donors where they are is the best technique. So you want to make sure that the donors know what you're asking for. If you give it a very soft approach and you don't tell them what you want them to do, odds are good they're not going to do what you want them to do. Yeah, that makes sense. And talk to me about the the whole QR code thing, because I think that is brilliant. So QR codes, uh, they actually came around a few years ago and didn't really have much of an impact and just kind of like went by the wayside. Well, with technology advancing as it does, it's super easy to scan QR codes with your phone now. Most apps, you can just turn on your camera and it'll automatically scan it. And so the technology behind it now is you can have it land on a web page just to inform your donors of whatever information you're trying to pass along. You can land on a donation page if that's exactly what you're driving them towards is, is just a, a, to make a donation to whatever your organization is. And it makes a direct mail piece completely multi-channel now because it's physically in their hands, but they can easily take their phone and scan it and go wherever on the web that you want them to go. If my QR code strategy takes them directly to the, hey, how are you? Nice to meet you. And this is what we're doing. And I mean, the ask and everything is right there. And if I don't have to like page through the whole thing to get to the ask or whatever, or the form, or whatever. Talk about effective. Absolutely. And this is all done on your mobile phone. So it's, you're not navigating through a, a website and having to click on different pages. This is direct mobile contact into whatever page you want them to land on. So if it is a direct ask, you can create your, your case for giving right then and there, and then they can continue to give. So it's a, it's a super friendly way for somebody that does want to give online. Because as we all know, we can send direct mail pieces, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's how somebody wants to give. They may want that paper in their hand to read, but then they could go online and, and give that way. This also adds a level of trackability to it too, because you can add coding behind that QR code that tells you exactly where that donation came from. So there's, there's multiple ways that this is extremely beneficial to use in direct mail. That is great information, Liz. I, I mean, definitely a good key to a successful direct mail marketing promotion. Uh, what are some other good keys to, to like making this, this campaign a success? Well, as, as we spoke about, have a plan of action. Um, and most importantly, have a plan for following up. That is so important. 
Um, mail should never be a one and done approach ever. <laughs> there should be a follow-up plan that includes a plan to thank them for completing the action you asked of them, a plan for measuring the outcomes in order to improve any following mailings and a plan of continued engagement. Ultimately here, we're, we're trying to create relationships, right? So having a plan for continuing those relationships is a must. If you just send out an appeal and you don't ever follow up with them and, and you don't continue that engagement, they're, they're gonna go away. So now you've just completely wasted resources that could have been an investment in your program to keep them engaged and keep them giving. Yeah. Um, and also make sure that you're pairing direct mail with digital touches. Uh, you really want to go for that multi-channel or omni-channel program, because like I said, donors take in information from all different types of sources. So don't limit your program to just one. Donors do what donors want to do. So if we try to pigeonhole them, it's, it's just not going to work. Um, so make sure you're really thinking about how all the channels can lift each other. I like what you said. It's not one and done. No. Yeah. So let's say my nonprofit does direct mail, but we're not really sure how it's doing for us. What are we not doing to track our success? Because there's always, I'm sure you hear that question a lot. Uh, sadly, that's not uncommon. <laughs> um, tracking results, it, it can be a struggle uh, for a lot of nonprofits, especially depending on your size or, or how much, you know, data geeks you have in, in your organization, right? And you don't know what you don't know. So as we've talked about, it's important to have a measurable outcome. And this can be from simply coding mail pieces that you can enter into your CRM for reporting to be able to track the action you're asking your recipient to take. Um, are you asking them to sign up as a volunteer? That's trackable. You can you can track the as your volunteer base grows, you can see that there's a direct impact there. And data hygiene is so important. So one of the hats I've I've worn in my career is a, is a data analyst, and I can't tell you how many clients have come to us wanting us to analyze their results of their mailing, but they never tracked anything. They never did any kind of coding, segmenting, nothing, but really wanted to have a measurable outcome, but you can't, it's too late at that point. Um, so make sure that you're keeping a clean database, consistent data control, create an SOP that tells you exactly how you should be tracking um, and it's a document that you have for your organization. So everybody does the same thing at the same time. And all of this will lead to the ability to have great data analytics. And that all leads to growth models and better forecasting for your organization as well. And when you talk about data hygiene, God, I love that term. Uh, you're also talking about just making sure that the addresses are solid. Absolutely. Um, data hygiene encompasses a lot of things. One of them, making sure that you do have good names and addresses for your donors. Um, there's a ton of different software out there that can actually help you make sure that that's clean. Um, I would recommend making sure that you do NCOA regularly. That way the, the post office kind of requires that and it just makes sure that you have the most recent information because donors are extremely unlikely to let you know that they have moved. Um, so just making sure that you're keeping up on all of that as well and, and really make sure that you, you have your salutations correct too if we're really going to dip into this data hygiene talk for a second. Um, you want to make sure that you're addressing your donors as they should be addressed and make sure that everybody is, is using your CRM the same way. That way you will have consistent data exports at the same time. I'm glad we touched on that because I, I agree with you 100%. That list should be clean because let's face it, if you don't clean your list and you're sending 2,000 pieces and maybe 150 of them are bad 
addresses, well, that's 150 bad addresses that you printed and that's coming directly out of your pocket. No chance at $1 back. Absolutely. And that's also going to hurt the results of your appeal too, because you've, you've printed and you've tried to mail all of these, but they're not going to go anywhere. So that kind of, that's going to affect your response rate as well. Would you say that's one of the bigger mistakes in a direct mail campaign? I, I would say so. Yes. Data seems to kind of be a, a second thought for a lot of organizations. And it should honestly be your first thought because your data is going to be what gets you where you want to go. So making sure that it is clean and you have good addresses and everything is in there properly is the first step to success rather than the last step to success. What would you say are some other mistakes that people make when it comes to a direct mail campaign? I can think of three right off the top of my head. Number one, unreal expectations. <laughs> uh, direct mail is a marathon. It is not a sprint. Um, so it takes time to create a robust direct mail program. Have patience. Make sure you understand what the likely returns are on your mailing for whatever your target audience is, but make sure you have a real expectation of what it looks like in your industry for like-sized organizations. Um, everybody has a, a different level of return. So just make sure that you understand what realistic goals are before you set those expectations. Number two, short-term planning. It's the whole one and done planning process and not having a follow-up plan. It absolutely leads to failure every time. There is no, our program is going to be different. It's not. Um, you don't have a follow-up plan. It's, you're really just, you're wasting your time and, and your money to try to reach your donors if you're not going to follow up. And then number three, not knowing your audience. Um, know who you're speaking to in order to craft a compelling call to action. Don't mail your entire database with the same language. Target as much as possible and really understand who your donors are, not who you want them to be. That's super important. Um, a, a lot of organizations have an idea in their head of who their donors are because that's who they, they want as a reflection of, of their organization, but that may not necessarily be true. So make sure that you really know who your audience is. Um, simple ways to do that is you can always do a survey and, and get their feedback on what they think of your organization. And that'll be super helpful too. So you'll know in the future how to talk to your audience where they are. And I'm not kidding you. I just wrote that down, who they are versus who we want them to be. I think that is spot on. It's definitely a trap that we can easily fall into. Would you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. And especially with a, a shift in society in general, we still have to be conscious of who our audience is and everybody hasn't changed overnight. We're still, we're still talking to the same people. You still have the same loyal donor base. And if you want to increase awareness for your organization, you can do that through education, but don't expect them to automatically know who you are or why you're doing what you're doing. If you're not educating them first. Liz Lowe is our guest and we're speaking about direct mail marketing whether it's a strategy that you might want to look into if you want to market your nonprofit, if you haven't been doing so, so far, we're going to stop for a moment for a short break. And when we come back, I'm going to challenge Liz on how we can make our efforts better in direct mail. And we're also going to talk about some of the new developments in direct mail marketing. You're listening to Impactability, the Nonprofit Leaders Podcast. I'm Joe Turner. We'll be right back. Major gifts are the ultimate source of funding for nonprofits. They can help fulfill your mission and achieve your vision. Having a strong major gifts program should be a priority, but where do you begin? 
the best place to start is with Sukup Strategic Solutions. We create transformational change by working collaboratively to raise funds. Our fundraising consultants will assess your organization's fundraising capacity and develop a plan that serves as a blueprint for your fundraising success. Visit our website today at SukupStrategicSolutions.com and schedule a free consultation today. That's S-O-U-K-U-P, SukupStrategicSolutions.com. When it comes to major gifts, the effort you put in can make all the difference, and Sukup Strategic Solutions can help. Welcome back to Impactability, the Nonprofit Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Turner. Today, we're talking to Liz Lowe about direct mail marketing, whether you've done it before and it worked, tried it and it didn't, or you're thinking about trying it soon. Definitely, this is the conversation for you. We've got another Coach's Corner coming up in just a few moments, so stay close for that. Now, Liz, I'm going to play the role of the nonprofit that is listening intently to this podcast, but they have list issues. We were talking a little bit about that earlier. So in this instance, Liz, all we have, seriously, bunch of names and email addresses. Can you do anything with that? We can. Uh, as a, a start to a program, you got to start somewhere, Right. So as long as we take those names and email addresses and we put them through some kind of a hygiene software to make sure that they are valid names and email addresses, that's a place to start. And so as soon as you start mailing and recording everything properly, remember I said measurability is important, so we have to make sure that we're tracking everything, you can start building your database from there. So as long as you have something to start with, you can absolutely build a program from that. What can we do to make direct mail more effective? Again, be intentional with your efforts. Um, Make sure that you're targeting donors effectively and spend the time and and the money on analytics, to be honest with you. That's that's really going to tell you where your data can go and where you need to grow your database in particular. And make sure that you're looking at your program holistically and by channel to gain insight on where improvements should be made. So like I said, donors do what donors want. If you are sending out a mail campaign and say half of them decide to go online and give, and you think that therefore now your mail campaign wasn't effective, that's not exactly the case. Because if you look at your your revenue as a whole, looking at it holistically, you can see there was an increase in revenue during the time that your mail was in homes. So that tells you that it is working. They're just choosing to go online to give. So maybe for the next campaign, you would you know really make the point of the QR code to, to drive them where you want them to go so you can track that or give them a specific URL to use to go online and give, and that adds another level of trackability. Um, And also audit your programs so you're not stuck doing the same thing year to year because you've always done that. Uh, That's definitely a killer for a lot of organizations is just keep repeating what you've always done because, well, we've always done that. And that's, that's just not the best way to continue forward. Make sure that you're always auditing and and seeing what's new out there and what's working for other organizations that are like yours and try to implement those changes into your program. Let's talk about major donors for a second because I know we want to treat them a little differently or do we? What, What and when do I mail to them? Well, you're likely to want to make most of your major donor gift requests face-to-face, but direct mail is still an effective strategy for communicating with these donors. Just because you're creating that personalized relationship with them doesn't mean that you should be subtracting anything else from the relationship they already had with you, right? 
So depending on the size of your major gifts team, you may need to rely on direct mail a little bit more for some of this segment to just keep them in the know of what's going on with your organization. So I would recommend that you make sure that they are getting your newsletters and any important communications that really show the impact of what your organization is making, what they as a donor, because they're a major donor, their impact that they're making on your organization. Um, and there's nothing wrong with mailing them a newsletter. They, they still like, they still get mail like everybody else does. So sending them the news and the updates is, is really important because they, they need that as well. And you can always create like a VIP type package in your direct mail program. Um, make small changes to your current pieces. You can send them first class. You can use a special carrier envelope. And it conveys like a level of ex exclusivity and personalize these packages to these donors. This is going to be a, a smaller amount of records on your database. So you really should take the time to personalize those. If you're using a vendor to produce these pieces to print them for you, have them send you this section of your data separately that you can bring in house and you can include a handwritten note if possible and make sure that you're speaking to them as the important generous supporter that they are. And then as to when you should be sending them, they should obviously receive mailings less frequently than your typical donor pool, right? I mean, you don't wanna send them a monthly mailing if, if that's what you do to your, your regular lower end donors. So, but still make sure they're getting the news and the updates. Um, and I'd really recommend sending appeals at the end of the year. That's everybody's generosity giving season, right? Um, us as nonprofits, we all know that the end of the year is, is typically where that you make the most of your revenue. So make sure that you are talking to your most generous donors then as well. And then send one in the spring. If there's a follow-up that's needed, or if you didn't hit campaign goals at the end of the year, send them something in the spring and let them know, hey, we haven't hit our goals and we could really use your help. Um, and that's the same thing goes for if there's a sudden need in your organization, if there's an emergency fund that you really need to get that revenue for, talk to your major donors first and see if you can get them to help you get where you need to go before you go to the rest of your donor pool. Excellent advice. Tell me about some new innovations in direct mail. Um, it's like we've talked about through, through this whole podcast is make sure that you're pairing it smartly with digital touches. Um, it used to be everything was pretty siloed. You would send out a direct mail appeal and then you'd send out an email appeal and, and maybe do some digital ads that were all kind of separate from each other. Nothing was really integrated. Nothing had the same look and feel. Well, you really want to make sure that everything does have the same look and feel now because you, you want your donors to understand that it is coming from you and that it's a solid message across every channel that they see. So you can use things like informed delivery to give a digital touch to a direct mail piece right off the bat have that QR code, email communications and digital ads that do have the same look and feel. And it makes everything a digital friendly way to communicate with you if they want to by still using that workhorse of direct mail. Um, direct mail is not dead. It's not likely to ever actually die, regardless of what people have said for decades now. Um, and as long as you're taking an omni-channel approach to your program, it's going to stay alive and well. They all work well together and can actually lift each other in each channel. So somebody that gets a direct mail piece and then gets an email and sees an online ad, they're all going to work together because as we all know, the more often you see something, the more likely you are to respond to that. Great information. Liz Lowe has been our guest today. Liz, I think you've cleared up a lot of misconceptions about direct mail, and I think you've helped our listeners e either get better at it or consider 
adding it to their marketing mix. Thank you so much for being with us today at Impactability. Really appreciate your information. Thank you. I had a great time. That sound means it is time for another edition of Coach's Corner. We take the questions that you ask us and we ask our impact coaches for their answers. We get some great answers. We get some great questions. But the problem is, at least for our coaches, they only have five minutes in which to answer the question. And this one today going to be really, really tough. Peggy Monson is our impact coach. Peggy, listen closely. The question is, if a nonprofit only has the means to hire one or two employees, what characteristics should they be looking for in those new employees? Now, there's a lot of ways this can be dissected, and it's up to you, Peggy, to do that. You've got five minutes to do it, and your five minutes begins right now. You are. That is correct, Joe. There are a lot of ways to dissect this, and I agree with you. It's a really, really good question. What are the skills that you're looking for? What is typically required in a new employee for a nonprofit? You want to consider technology, uh, and that's certainly important for your database, for uh, fundraising, and for your communication software. What kind of knowledge and experience does the person have in the nonprofit world versus the for-profit world? And sometimes it's interesting to think about folks who have um, experience in the for-profit world. How does that translate into the nonprofit? So again, be flexible when you're interviewing folks. And in this environment, it's a bit difficult in this environment to find the exact employee that you may be looking for. Think outside the box a little bit and think about also the knowledge and the passion this person might have for the community that you serve. That drive is powerful and very helpful in an employee. And then lastly, you know, what kind of um, specialty are you looking for? Are you looking for a fundraising person? Are you looking for someone to help you with communications um, with event planning? So you want to talk to that person, obviously, about what they consider their specialty to be and what their experience is in that specialty. So when you've, when you've looked at and made that assessment of the, of the skills, I would say you could call those hard skills. What are the soft skills? Some people will say that those soft skills in many ways are as important, if not more important than the hard skills. What do I mean by that? Those are the intangibles. Those are the skills that, frankly, it's difficult to evaluate and to measure. I'm talking about skills such as creativity, teamwork, empathy, and I always include a sense of humor. In this day and age, I think it's very important, particularly if you're looking for someone who is going to be working with people, a sense of humor, I think, goes a long way in working with a team and in working with individuals. What's the ability for this person to problem solve, to be a leader? What's their learning ability? Are they detail-oriented? Are they task-oriented? And what's their ability to work within an organization? Those are soft skills and not always easy to measure. But I think when you're, when you're talking to folks and also when you're asking for referrals, it's very important to get a sense of those soft skills. 
Lastly, Joe, I think it's important, and I've said this earlier, I think it's really important to be flexible about these characteristics and the exact makeup of your staff. And again, the question was, can only hire two people. If you're hiring someone who will have a leadership role, maybe instead of hiring a second full-time person, hire two part-time people. Just be sure that one of those people is hired for administrative support. One could be a part-time program officer. Because if your executive director is spending 60% of their time on programming, ideally you'd like to move that executive director to spend more time fundraising. And your program officer would assist in allowing your executive director to move in to that fundraising mode. So that's just one way to look at rather than hiring two full-time employees, you've hired three, one's full-time and two are part-time. So Joe, that's kind of just thinking out of the box, being flexible and examples of how an organization can hire only two employees. I think it's, this is an exciting time for that person. And I think with this information, I think that person's ready to begin the search. So I would just say, enjoy that process and good luck with finding that perfect staff. Great way to answer this question. I'm glad you were able to answer it. Thank you so much for being our impact coach today on Impactability. You're welcome, Joe, and thank you. If you've got a question for Coach's Corner, we want to hear from you. Email them to us at impactcoaches at impactability.net. Again, that's impactcoaches at impactability.net. And if you want to reach me, my email address is joe.turner at impactability.net. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app, and that way you'll get new episodes downloaded just as soon as they come out. Also, please give us a review or a rating so that your peers in the nonprofit industry can find us as well. I'm Joe Turner. Thanks for listening, and thank you for all you do to make the world a better place through your nonprofit.